Hello, everyone! Hello. It's Kawaiicast. Welcome back, or welcome to the podcast for the first time. Uh, I am Candace. I'm Tyler. And the audio is going to be a little bit different today because we are doing a remote session. I yep. know we talked a little bit about this last week where if we can't get together in person as opposed to just doing a full-blown hiatus, we're just going to do these remote sessions instead so we can keep the podcasts going to you guys regularly. Yep. Speaking of which, uh, we might be on hiatus next week. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we most likely will. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just gonna ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> the phone just keeps ringing. Anyway. <laughs> I so, know. God. So let's go ahead and start off with some anime news. I got nothing. Yeah, our news is we kind of got overblown by all of the Super Mario movie stuff coming out. Oh, 100%. Yeah, so there's not really a whole lot. Uh, plus, the anime season just started this week, so a lot of the yeah, news is mostly like just... Yeah, there's like never news the first week of a new anime season. Yeah, almost all news updates are just like, this new episode is airing tomorrow, make sure you catch the first episode of the new season, or something like that. Check out this new trailer for the second episode of this anime. Yeah, I know, I keep seeing trailers like, here's the trailer. Alright. Anyways, sorry, God, keep getting interrupted, like, God. No worries. Anyways. Anyways. Where were we? What were, were we talking about? So, I was about to say, I keep getting uh, notifications about how, or I keep seeing, like, trailers like, here's a trailer for, like, episode one of Chainsaw Man. I'm like, we don't need a new Chainsaw Man trailer every, like, 20 minutes, all right? Just fucking air the episode oh, already. Oh, but this trailer has half of a second of new footage that you haven't seen yet. Yeah, basically. So, first week is always really bad for news, unless something really big happens. Uh, the closest thing I have to news is they did release the pop-up parades for Mob Psycho 100, which are now available for pre-order. Nice. And for the low, low price of $31.99 US, you can now own the uh, Dilf Twink Supreme Second, second Sexiest Man on Tumblr pop-up parade. Alright. Is, is that the <laughs> official title? Uh, I, that's the internet's official title. <laughs> <laughs> well, there yeah. you go. Reagan was voted the number one Dilf and the number one Twink literally just like 10 minutes how, apart from each other. How does one become both both a Dilf and a Twink? You gotta be Reagan, but he lost the Tumblr Sexy Man Award by literally like 0.1% of a vote. Wow. To Sans from Undertale. <laughs> Are you, what? Yeah. Okay. There's no fucking that had to have won <laughs> on a joke. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. All of them won on a joke, but <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, but I I remember seeing that poll where it was like super super close, and then they showed the final result, and it was literally sitting there on Twitter's 50% Sans, 50% Reagan, and I'm like. Wait, so who won? And then somebody's like, enhance. And it was like, 50.1 Sans and 49.99 Reagan. Oh. And I'm like, oh, bullshit. But yeah. <laughs> we all know who the true Tumblr sexy man is. No. We don't. Oh, uh, 
I think I lost connection to you there for a second. Yeah, for a second, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we don't really have any anime news, so let's go ahead and just get into today's episode topic. And with that, we are continuing our Ghibli marathon. Yeah, uh, I think this is going to be a short episode. I don't think we have a lot to talk, a lot to talk about with this, with this movie. Yeah, so as you guys know, I am collecting all of the uh, Ghibli films on the Blu-ray steel case, except Grave of the Fireflies, unless it gets re-released, because I'm not spending <laughs> over $100 right? for it. The but still books look so nice, too. They're so nice. I got my little rainbow set up behind me. I love them so much. Did, is the rainbow intentional? Or did uh, you organize them by, like, year of release and it just happened to come out as a rainbow? No, I, I put them in a rainbow order because I just like how okay. it looks. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just looks more aesthetically pleasing that way. <laughs> no, it does. Yeah. So one of the newer ones that just released was one that I was actually kind of hoping was going to be one of those, like, underrated Ghibli Oh, uh, you cut out. Liked. Yeah. Because, uh, like, there's two types of Ghibli films, basically. There's the ones that feel like they're really high fantasy, and then there's the ones that feel more slice of life. And most people tend to lean towards the fantasy-style ones, like Howl's Moving Castle and Spirited Away. And I tend to be the type of person who really likes the slice of life ones, like... Uh, like The Wind Rises. Wind Rises, which is my uh, second favorite Ghibli film of all time. And I really liked From Up on Poppy Hill as well. So I thought... Yeah this is probably going to be up there with them. But... I would say half of the film I really enjoyed, and the other half I didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just... I don't think it's a bad film, to be honest. I don't think it's bad. I just... I don't know who it's for. You know? Yeah. Like... It, it seems like such a niche story that someone would like. Yeah, well, I can literally draw the line to the sand at the point of the film where I stopped enjoying it. And so let's talk about what the film is, first of all, and that is Only Yesterday. Yes. Which is not one of Miyazaki's, but was one of the other key directors from Studio Ghibli. I am too lazy to go look it up right now. I can't reach my Blu-ray. You, you, you have Google at the power of your fingertips. Yeah, but I'm lazy. So okay, fine. that's fair. I've been there before. But... Uh, so the movie is basically, like, it's about a girl who, like, a, okay, I should say a woman who is in her late 20s, who is taking 10 days off of work in order to go to the countryside to help a family with basically their, uh, what is it, the rouge business? Like, they, they pick yeah, flower petals they, for, they to make rouge. pick a certain kind of flower and turn it into a rouge. Which is a really cool part of the movie. I actually really liked seeing the whole process of how Rouge is made, or at least was made back in the days. Authentic yeah. Rouge. But uh, on her way to the countryside, she keeps kind of getting bombarded with flashbacks of her life when she was 10 years old. So the adult part starts off as kind of a framing device to showcase us some of her more childhood Specifically, parts. back to the year... 1966. Yeah. She does she mention was, that. Yeah, when she was in fifth grade. So she was a 10 year old. And we kind of get to see, like, 
some of more her more key memories. And so the film really, really is kind of this coming age of or coming of age story directed towards young girls that are kind of in that part of their life right or right before they hit puberty. So when they're still kind of like children, children, and they're still kind of like living with like those last couple of years of childhood before suddenly they have to grow up. And I think that was the target audience for this film for me at first, because we don't really get a lot of coming of age stories targeted towards girls. Normally, when you hear coming of age, you think of a teenage boy discovering who he is because now he has to because he's already hit puberty. But the only true coming of age story I can think of where the main character's a girl is Turning Red. And that is a very recent movie. Mm-hmm. So at first I was pretty excited about this movie. It had a very, very similar approach to this characterization that Turning Red did. And I thought it was really, really cute and enjoyable. And I feel like they did a really good job of depicting what 10-year-olds are like. And I can actually think of a few scenes in this movie that really, really connected with me. And I was just like, I love this. This is wholesome. This is cute. This is sweet. Like, she's stubborn because she's a kid and she wants to be right all the time. She's a little bit dumb because she's a kid and she wants to be right all the time. It's it's like when a child makes some food for the first time. Like, when a you know, they they put whatever kind of, you know, a cookie on a sandwich or whatever, and and the parents like, you're not gonna like that. Yeah. And the kid <laughs> eats it out of stubbornness and be like, it was so good. Yeah, like the scene where they tried pineapple for the first time, and because she was the one that demanded they get the pineapple, she feels obligated to like it, even though that pineapple clearly wasn't ripe and was probably really bitter. Yeah. And yeah, so it seems like that. And there's a few moments that I just absolutely adored. I love. I also love the big disconnect between her and her two older sisters because both her sisters are in high school and are obsessed with the Beatles and are really close to each other in age where she's like a good five, six years younger than them. She doesn't have nearly as much in common with them and it's a lot harder for her to feel connected and... While the oldest sister sister she gets along with, because her oldest sister is there to protect her, the middle child sister, who is no longer the baby, is immediately going to be the one that picks fights with her all the time, is going to be the one that doesn't get along with her. And that was the same dynamic I had with my two older sisters growing up. My oldest sister was the one that I got along with and watched anime with, and she would defend me. And my middle sister was the one that would pick fights with me all the time and bully me whenever she got the chance. So, again, this movie feels very, very directed towards... That's, that's what you get for be the, being the youngest. God. <laughs> it wasn't really till my brother came along that I could deflect some of that onto him, but by that point, my middle sister actually felt that protective sense towards my little brother, you know? So, yeah, that's just kind of how the fa- family dynamic turned out, and I related to this a lot. And I love the idea of the adult version of her being this framing device similar to, like, a Princess Bride. Where it's- you're getting it from the perspective of her storytelling. This was also really well done in the art style. There's a few scenes where the background is very, very detailed and the characters are all kind of simple blobs because her memory is of the environment, like the bathhouse. And then there's other scenes where the background is just a few rough sketches of some random houses 
but oh, the characters mean... are really well detailed. Like you, you, you mean the bathhouse that didn't know what it was going for, yeah. so it had <laughs> like a Roman room. It had yeah. like uh, I don't know, probably a Western room at some point in there. Didn't explicitly yeah. say, but it had like a whole bunch of different themed like yeah, like baths. the theme, the theme park bathhouse, yeah. But yeah, there was also a scene where she was like thinking about like the first boy she had a crush on, and I noticed in that scene like there was basically no background. There was a few sketches to imply that there were houses in the area, but the details were completely put on the characters in that scene because she was re remembering the first boy she liked. And the movie's art direction does a really, really good job of showcasing that these are memories. These are things that she thinks about. And they're not always going to be accurate because our brains are kind of weird and will sometimes exaggerate certain things about our memories. And I really love that approach to this film. The point where I started really disliking this film is when we started to transition from her starting to move away from her past and starting to try to live a little bit more in the present. And she met the main male character who was implied to be the guy she was going to fall for as an adult and finally get married just like her parents want her to, you know? Yeah. This guy was awkward. The whole scene where they met at the train station and she mistook him for being a bag thief... It would have been a fine scene if she had just laughed it off and they would have moved on or if the scene had cut with the two of them laughing but the whole awkward laughing of her thinking he was a bag thief kind of lingered a little bit too long to the point where it felt uncomfortable instead of funny. Oh my god I can't believe I'm in the same car with a bag thief. Yeah like it like yeah. Even the conversation in the car, like, where they start talking about music, and then it transitioned to our favorite subject, which is organic farming. Oh, so much organic farming. That conversation lingered to a point where it just reminded me that adults do not talk about interesting things in the car. They are very boring people. Talk, yeah. Talk, <laughs> when you drive and you're talking, you're not talking about anything of value. You are just droning on. And that was the entire scene between these two. And it gets so much worse when she starts talking about her memories to other characters, particularly the teenage girl living on the farm, where she was trying to make her feel better about how strict her mom was by telling her a story about the time her father slapped her for running outside without shoes on. One, one time her father slapped her. Just once, and it was because she took two steps out of the door without shoes. Like, yeah, and she was fuck? kind of she was kind of being a brat during that scene to begin with. But oh, she one hundred percent was. But I, that's a ten year old. Ten year olds are brats. Yeah, and at first I really liked this whole scene of like, because just the father's reaction to him slapping her and seeing how she responded, like you could tell there was something that he was going through and when he saw what he did to his own kid there's a reason he never did that ever again yeah like there was something kind of implied that you got to remember him and his wife were like children during world war ii they probably had very strict parents and it's probably also the reason the mom was so strict about eating everything that's given to you and not wasting food like they were children of that era and it was probably something he never wanted to push on his own kids, which is why he spoils them. 
and I would have really loved the scene if that's the direction they went, but then we cut back to the main girl in her adult form, telling this teenager, I think it's okay if they slap you occasionally, but if they only do it once, you'll always wonder why they did it. Right? I'm like, that's such a fucking terrible take on child abuse. Holy shit. <laughs> God, for real. I'm like, remember, people, if you're going to beat your child, make sure to do it multiple times so they think it's normal. Fuck. Like... <laughs> you gotta set a schedule, okay? Like, <laughs> children, I'm home. It's the third Tuesday of the month. Line up for your beating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's such a fucking terrible take. And I'm like, why would they include that? Especially because the teenager was, like, trying to, like, reach out to her. Like, my dad slaps me occasionally. Like, I think she was reaching out to her like, wow, I found a safe person to talk to about this. Because the only other people on that farm are her family. And then she just kind of, like, turned to the teenager and was like, well... Could be worse. He could have slapped you once. Yeah. <laughs> Do be like that sometimes. <laughs> Do be like that sometimes. You're lucky. My dad only hit me one time. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a fucking awkward scene. And that's every scene with her as an adult. She's so fucking awkward. Like, she's at one point she's like having a meal with like the main guy. And he's just like, Oh, you're from Tokyo. You must have some kind of relationship or something. And she's like, no, I don't. And he's like, oh, well, you're 28. And that's a bit unusual. And she's like, no, it's normal. And he's like, oh. And she's like, yeah, no, it's completely normal. And he's like, oh, I see. And she's like, yeah, I actually know more people that are single than people who are... All, all my friends are single. They're so single, they've turned lesbian, in fact. <laughs> like, if you have to repeat yourself multiple times, it stops sounding normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there was the whole thing where she, like, quotes, like, her line from, like, her school play. Oh my god, the crows, look. They're flying away. They're flying away. <laughs> like, like, the like, story what a, is What cute. a thing to remember, okay? Like, I remember school plays, or I guess class plays when we were a kid, but I sure as hell couldn't tell you any of the lines I spoke, if I spoke any. Yeah, and I'm like, the story was cute. The way you started the story was fucking terrifying. <laughs> like, yeah. This girl has zero social skill. And then, like, she's talking about, like, her childhood, how she almost had the opportunity to become, like, a child actress. And then the main guy is just like, ah, yes, that reminds me. Organic, Organic farming. farming. <laughs> <laughs> like, I kind of wish this movie were popular, because I swear to God, organic farming would become, like, a meme from it. Everybody would be like, ah, I see you're going through a hard time right now. That reminds me. Organic farming. Did you know that this uh, you know, corporations are taking down I, organic farming? I see you're having a hard time right now. Just like organic farming, because <laughs> corporations are taking over. <laughs> Your father beats you? Well, I have a solution. You know, you could help organic farming by supporting local farmers. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... The guy is awkward, too. There's just, there's no one who's not awkward in this show. Yeah, like, the... 
I, I enjoyed it a lot from the child perspective because I swear to God, the writers for this movie knew how to write children. It's like the only people they've ever talked to are 10 year olds. They have never talked to an adult before in their entire lives because none of the conversations that any of the adults had in this movie sounded like adults. Uh-huh. They sounded like robots. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I was actually even thinking about it. I'm like, I bet you if you took all of the clips just from like the adult scenes of this movie and edited them in a creative way, you could probably transform it into some kind of psychological horror. Because, God, they're so... They're so creepy and cringy and uncomfortable. I'm just... I, I even feel like the teenage girl at some point was just kind of like... Am I gonna grow up to be like this? <laughs> the, the teenage girl was like, oh boy, if I... If I my parents just bought me those pumas i wouldn't grow up to be like this <laughs> yeah like honestly the way she was written was pretty good too her constant nagging of like the pumas and her mom just being like why do you need new running shoes we just got you ones that don't cost five thousand yen everyone in my class is getting them and she's like, who's everybody and she like, names like three people names like four people <laughs> and the mom's like that's only four people what the fuck and she's like well it's more than them too mom. like the whole conversation was probably one of the better written scenes in the entire movie and it's literally just a teenager being a teenager and i'm like yeah like this movie had so much potential and there were so many parts i liked I even really like the fact that as like the 10 year old there's so many moments in this movie where you could tell she's really upset at other people and she kind of wants to be a bitch like the other girls in her class are but she's trying to be like the goody two-shoes like probably the best scene of this was when all the girls learn about their menstrual cycle and one girl in their class is an early bloomer and told a guy that she liked what periods are because she wanted to normalize it she didn't want the boys to think it was super weird and then he goes and tells all the other boys and all the boys start making fun of all the girls and start being like, you're on your period, oh my god. And like literally yeah. like any sign of like irritation or any sign of them being tired or anything like that, they're like, oh, she must be on her period. You know, like boys do. Like full grown men do that. And the trap with that is, is if you irritate a girl and then the girl gets mad as a response and that's proof that women are cranky when they're on their periods, you know? It's a fucking vicious cycle. And so the main character, you can tell she's kind of like, oh, I, I'm not mad at you for telling all the boys about this very personal thing that they're not gonna understand. But you could tell she's really mad about it. But she hides yeah. her anger because she doesn't want the one girl to be completely isolated from everybody else. And the other girl also just kind of shrugs off all the boys' harassment. Like, oh, haha, they're so stupid. They think periods are contagious. Haha, they're just, they're just perverse. And it also kind of feels uncomfortable when she just shrugs it off and laughs about it because it's a lose-lose situation when you're being bullied. If you react negatively, they're going to justify bullying you. But if you react positively, it just feels like you're caving in and giving up. And I, again, I really like the writing in this scene. It really is what it feels like to be a teenage girl. And I'm just like, God, I want the movie to be this, not organic farming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Also, all of the smiles of the adults in the farming scenes were fucking creepy. Oh god, the, the main girl fucking... I shit you not, every time she smiled, there'd, there'd be those two lines, like, on her cheeks mm -hmm. that are supposed to be her cheekbones, right? Mm-hmm. And I shit you not, I couldn't help but think, uh, you know that episode of King of the Hill where Cotton goes to Japan and they find out that Hank has a brother? Mm-hmm. I was just sitting there, like, those lines on her cheek just look like Hank's lines. Like, this, <laughs> this, this girl is clearly the spawn of Cotton Hill, okay? <laughs> yeah, the whole time I was watching that, I'm like, she ages, like, 20 years every time she smiles. <laughs> right? Like, when she was had a neutral face, she looked like a 20-something-year-old. But then she would smile, and she looked like she was in her 50s. And I'm like, girl, you fucking... <laughs> I'm not gonna, sh like, shame you or anything, but why did they go with this art style that just girl, looks so... Girl, you need to learn to live with that resting bitch face life. Right? Her mom didn't even look that old. Again, I, I feel like there's such a big disconnect between all the flashback scenes and all of, like, the non-flashback scenes. I'm like, why were all the childhood scenes a thousand times better in this movie than all of the adult scenes? Yeah. It's such a weird thing. I would have much preferred this entire film remain a framing device. And if I had any theories as to why it wasn't, is because the whole message of the movie at the end was supposed to be that she finally grew out of her past and she learned to stop living in her childhood and to finally move on and find a good life and settle down with a man who's obsessed with organic farming. <laughs> find you a man that will talk to you about organic farming when you're going through shit. Yeah. <laughs> that was basically the moral of this movie. Like, I like that she was there for literally less than a week. And they're just like, you're gonna marry him, right? And then she's like, no, I gotta get back to Tokyo. And then she got halfway there and she's like, you know what? I'm gonna go marry him. Fuck this. You know what? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> gonna live that organic farming life. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I I think this is the first Ghibli film that I can't really recommend to anybody. Yeah. And uh it's a shame. Like, like like I said, I I don't think it was bad. I just I don't I don't know who it's for. Like, is the target audience for for people who are really into organic farming and are trying to fit that conversation into everyday life? Or is it for like fans? of Hallmark originals that the main story is girl from city goes to country falls in love. Like Well and I what? feel like if that was the goal <laughs> they would have even included the childhood scenes. Yeah, I, I just like I said, I just I don't know who the target audience is for this movie. Yeah. But shout out to the Beatles for making a slight appearance in this movie. <laughs> right? I really like a lot of the characters from the childhood part. Like, I don't know. I think it's because all the women from the flower farms are just fucking terrifying. Like I said, I think the whole adult part of this movie is some kind of weird psychological test. Because I was very terrified the entire time. I... I don't know why it was so uncomfortable. I have never been that uncomfortable watching a Ghibli film in my life. Yeah, that's fair. 
That was genuinely scarier than anything from, like, Spirited Away. And the first time I saw Spirited Away, the whole scene where they turn into pigs actually scared me. Yeah. So, yeah, I... I don't know. They were also way scarier than, like, uh, the old woman in Spirited Away. I forget her name. Yababa? Yeah. Yeah. They were Something they like that. they were supposed to look like normal people. They looked a thousand times more terrifying than her. She was just like anything to get away from this organic farming, and then the woman just smiles at her, and I'm like, she's gonna stab you in your sleep. <laughs> like fuck. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. So, would I recommend this movie? No. I think if you want to see a movie that gives all those good vibes from like the childhood part of the movie go watch turning red because it was the same theme but better yeah and also like that in turning red we get a nice redemption part of the movie between the daughter and the mother and we don't get that in this movie i mean it's implied that she grew up and stopped really disliking her mom's little nitpicks but at the same time, there's, like, also a scene where she's on the phone with her sisters, an adult, and her sister's like, Mom's upset at you for not going on a date with that guy that was a sure thing. She wants you to be married already. Well, tell Mom to fuck off. Yeah. Also, the scene with the fractions, this just really bothers me. Uh, so there's a scene when she's a kid, and she's trying to divide fractions, and her sister's telling her basically the formula that you use to divide fractions, and she's like, you're so stupid if you don't just use the formula, and the girl's like, well, I'm I'm confused, like, why would you divide fractions? Because if you divide an apple into four pieces, and then you divide those four pieces into more pieces, you're gonna end up with more pieces. So why is the number smaller? And I'm like, because you're not counting the number of pieces, you're going off the size of the new piece. The number doesn't represent that you now have 16 pieces of apple, it represents that one sixteenth of the apple is smaller than one fourth of the apple. Why she is stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. If you could use apples to visualize dividing, but you can't use an apple to visualize dividing dividing, you're, you might be a little bit dumb. But I wish somebody would have explained that to her because her sister didn't seem to know how to explain that either. And I'm like, it's really fucking simple. The new right? piece this, apple this sister... is tiny. Right? Like, like she was trying to, you know, show the whole, like, oh, this is how many pieces of the apple I have left. And the sister's just like, well, I told you the formula. You just need to do it my way. Yeah. You know, in <laughs> instead she... of instead of trying to explain it, just it's just, well, you need to do it this way. Yeah, which, to be fair, there are two types of people who learn that way. There's the people that do need a visual aid and the people that just memorize formulas. But... I don't know. I was just really bothered that literally she could understand dividing up to the point where you had to divide it even more. And I'm like, have you never cut an apple before? <laughs> like, yeah. It's not, you're overcomplicating this. Just take an apple and figure it out. You know? Right. I, I'm a little bit of both. I'm a visual learner and I'm a memorizer. That's why I was really good at tests because oh, I just memorize shit. So I was also really good at math growing up, so I think that's why that whole scene bothered me, because I just wanted to just reach into the screen and just be like, you're stupid. You're 28 now and you still haven't figured it out. Fuck. You just wanted to, to, to grab that girl by the collar and slap her around like her dad. 
You, you've been trying to solve this math problem for 18 years. Drop it. <laughs> I like that her mom was just like, because her sister's like, no normal kid could be this stupid. And her mom's just like, well, she's not a normal kid. She's not kid. a normal kid. And I'm like, and I'm right, as, right as she's like walking down the stairs into the room and the mom's like, oh, yeah, I guess you heard me call you not a normal kid, huh? Yeah, I guess you heard me call you fucking stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, the mom had her moments, but again, I really do like the characterization of the parents, that they really do represent like, those post-World War II like, generation where everything was just kind of different. Like, Japan changed really, really fast. Yeah. And they kind of grew up in an era where everything just kind of sucked and everything was rationed and everybody had to contribute and do their part. And even the grandma was just kind of like, all you children are spoiled. Like, and it makes sense because they were all the first generation to be born post-World War. And yeah. they kind of were spoiled because their parents didn't want to treat them the way they were treated. So yeah, yep. I... I wish I would have liked this movie more, because there's parts of it I really do like. But just skip this one and go watch Turning Red, because I really liked Turning Red. <laughs> so. Yep, there, there you go. There's, there you go. there's a general consensus. It's not a great movie. It's not. Go watch Turning Red. It still looks really pretty on my shelf with the rest of my collection. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and end it there tonight, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for a really short episode. Uh, we will likely be on hiatus next week, but we, if we get the opportunity, we will record. Yeah. So, let's go watch the uh, new anime season. Yes. You gotta do that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.